Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. I want to finish up what we started on Sunday. Amen. Uh, Pastor actually started this when he ministered on Made to Display. And we, as God's children, are to be displaying, right, righteousness. And if there's ever an hour that we're living, people need to see on display the righteousness of God. People need to see the proper image of who Christ is. And we talked about uh, this Sunday that the world, I'm telling you, the world Even the world gets mixed up about who Jesus really is because so many Christians have decided they're going to choose the image of Christ that they want. And we're not reflecting Christ completely in the image uh, of him if we begin to pick and choose what we decide we like about the image, right? And so what happens? People get a distorted view of who he is. People get a a, a reflection of who he is that is completely wrong. And so we as believers have a responsibility to reflect him properly. And righteousness, we know, means right standing right standing with the governing authority we know that when we are talking about living in a righteous life then what are we doing we are living right according to the word of God because the word of God is the final authority in our life amen we know and pastor said this that we are it from Matthew 6 33 right to seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and seek his righteousness. And so the problem is, is there's a lot of people that will say, well, I'm already made righteous in Christ. And I agree, you are, if you're truly born again. You have been what? Made righteous, made righteous. So then why does he tell us that we still need to seek righteousness? Because a lot of people are saying, well, I don't have to do anything else because I'm already made right. You're right. You're already made right in the position uh, in Christ and only Christ could make you right. Only Christ could do that. But... Then he goes on to say, but we're to seek this righteousness. So that isn't just a one-time event. When you get born again, you are put into a position of righteousness. But now he tells us we're to seek it. We're to seek that out. How do we seek out our righteousness or right standing with God? How do we seek that out? We are to seek it out by living according to what the Word of God says. So the Word of God, we know, can continually be being revealed to us every day on how we are to live according to the Word. How we're to live this righteousness out. How we are to walk this righteousness out. Because we were made to display his image. And his image is not supposed to be distorted. It's not supposed to be distorted. It is supposed to be in the image, complete carbon copy of the what he said out of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Right? Let us make God in our, in our Likeness, And that's exactly what he meant. And so we know then that we have an image that we are to be portraying in the earth as a new born again believer. And that's always going to be one that is going to line up to the scripture and what he says righteousness is. 
Because I'm going to tell you, he wouldn't have told us that we would have to seek righteousness if we didn't have anything else to do because he made us righteous. And so therefore I'm right with God and there's nothing else that I have to do. He wouldn't have said we had to seek it. He wouldn't have said that there are fruits of righteousness. Right? He said there's fruits of righteousness, which means then that there's something we must produce. Come on. And bring out of this righteousness that's been put within us. When we were made righteous, now we are to produce some fruits of righteousness. All right? And so it's important that we understand that, yes, we've been made righteous, but we still have to produce that righteousness in the earth. You know, and we started this journey out of Ephesians chapter 5, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. And uh, if you go on reading past Ephesians chapter 5 into, just this is a little side note, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, he starts talking about the full armor of God, which is another key to what I'm trying to talk about with righteousness, because many people believe I've been made righteous and there's nothing else I have to do. There's nothing else that you know, I have to prove, so to speak. All of these comments, which is falling up underneath those grace topics, you know. And so here in Ephesians chapter 6, just continuing to read through in the whole context, he then tells us to put on the full armor of God. And he also tells us that we are to put on the breastplate of why would he tell us we had to put it on if there was nothing else we had to do because we are made righteous in Christ and it doesn't matter what I do left in the earth I'm right with God I'm righteous he made us righteous there was nothing I could do well why did he tell you to put it on See, he tells us we have a responsibility. And this is the thing. And what pastor has ministered for years, there is a God side of what he has done, but there is a man side and what we must do to inherit all the promises of God. He's already done everything he's going to do for man. But we now have to, what, acknowledge it, walk into it, and apply it to our life. And so, therefore, he tells us, uh, uh, putting on that full armor of God, that we must put on the breastplate of righteousness. So that must mean that you could not have it on. You could not have it on, even though you've been made. Come on. Think about it. So we must be people that are staying in a place that, you know what? We want to display rightly and correctly the proper image and likeness that he said we were to display to the world. Amen. Hallelujah. And in Ephesians chapter 1, let's start reading it. Because we're talking about being an imitator. You were made to imitate. You were made to display. Amen. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Right? And walk in love. Say, walk in love. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling uh, aroma. Uh, but fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse gesturing, uh, which are uh, not fitting, but rather giving thanks. 
For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man, idolater has ever or has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I think it's really interesting how it just goes on to into that. Let no one deceive you to think that these types of people as believers will inherit the kingdom of God. That is empty words. Come on, we are living in a day and an hour that we have to take off the veil of deception, of doctrines of demons and seducing spirits that have been unleashed in the church. Amen. And so he said, um, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God came upon the sons of disobedience. You see that? Therefore, do not be partakers with them. What? Be partakers with what? People that are coarse gesturing, people that are fornicators, people that are idolaters, people that are all of these things, covetousness, uh, filthiness, foolish talking, all of these things. We're not supposed to be partakers with them. Amen. And we talked about that on Sunday. But anyway, and so the first thing we see in the uh, verses 1 through 7 is that he tells us if we are going to imitate God as his children, if we are going to display the proper image uh, or reflection of who he is, then we must be people that, number one, first and foremost, walk in love. Right, And we talked about that. So I'm not going to go back over all of those scriptures. Now, verses 8 through 14. The next thing we see, it says, For you once were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit, one translation says, For the fruit of light is all goodness. What is it? righteousness and truth. So if we are rightly going to reflect the correct image and be an imitator of a child of God, then the only way we're going to find that is by the truth of God's word, by walking in his righteousness, by walking in his goodness, amen, and in his light. So that was number two, that we are to walk according to the light, walk in the way of the light, walk in the light, display the light. We are number one to display love and then number two to display the light so that when people see you, they should see the light and the glory of God upon your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And we talked about that. Now, it says in verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So what do we know is acceptable to the Lord? Walking according to his truth, walking according to his righteousness and goodness. That is what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Expose works of darkness. Everybody's afraid to expose the works of darkness today because it might offend somebody. I would rather expose works of darkness than let them weep and gnash in the complete darkness to the uttermost in hell. If you don't expose it, right? If you don't expose it. But this is actually talking... Uh, in context to the Ephesians church, to the believers, it says, but rather expose them because I know plenty of believers that are still partaking in darkness. And we have a responsibility to expose it. What for? To save them. To save them. From a lot of things. From destruction, first and foremost. 
So it says this in verse 12. It says, For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, and whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you the light. Right? And then we talked about um, the fact that um, we are to be in Matthew, he said in Matthew 5, that you are the light of the world, right? A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then in Matthew 16, he said this, so let your light shine before all men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when you actually are displaying the light in proper uh, lighting. You know, lighting cannot be right sometimes. You know, this is very important in photography. It's what they call good lighting and bad lighting, right? Um, You know, the best time is like early in the morning, whatever that's called. And then, you know, when dusk and all, they've got terms for it. I should know it but I don't. Anyway, I don't remember right now. Um, Which is best lighting times for photographers, right? Well, do you know we can cloud the light in our light? We can cloud that light by participating in things that we as believers shouldn't be participating in. We can cloud the light. Amen. And so, therefore, they're not going to see the light shining brightly. And the reason why we want the light to shine brightly is so that they can see the glory of God. So that they can see the works of God in your life. The display of what God is doing in your life so that that will then what? Draw them into the kingdom. And we said this, uh, bugs come to the light. If you would just walk in a room and let your light shine and, and, and you don't have any distortion or bad reflection or you don't have any shadows about your life, guess what they're going to see? They're going to clearly see a display of God's glory upon your life. And he actually tells us, too, that we are to be living epistles. That we are literally alive epistles. For what? For all the world to read. So when they see you, they should see the light and they ought to be able to read the light of the word of God that is displayed from your life. Amen. And so it's very important that we, again, as believers, don't distort the image that is being portrayed, especially You know, this is the worst type of thing you can do is to come to church and be one way on Sundays and Wednesdays and yet live a completely uh, godless life in front of your children. Because they're learning what the word says and how a mother and a father ought to be. They're learning in the word how you ought to live. Don't you think these kids don't know the fruits of the Spirit and when daddy's not in the Spirit? Oh, they know the fruit of anger. They know these things that they're seeing. And what is that doing? It's bringing a bad reflection and actually a stumbling block to a child. And he said, woe, woe to those who cause one of these little ones to stumble. So it's very important about what type of image and reflection that we are betraying first and foremost to our family and our marriage and different things like that, but then to the people that we're around every day in our workplace, right? What are they seeing? What kind of reflection are they seeing? Are they seeing a distorted, twisted reflection, a freak of nature, what me and pastor like to say? They're acting like a freak of nature right now because they say they're born again and they have the nature of God, but they're looking like a freak. And all the freaks come out at night. 
Had to say that. Anyway, that's why you don't want anything to do with darkness. Don't be out in the middle of the night. There's nothing good going on at 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. I can guarantee you that. Amen. Because the freaks come out at night. Come on now. And you ought not be one of those freaks. Hallelujah. Anyway, you know I'll tell you like it is. For the saving of your soul. Hallelujah. So the third thing that we did not get to and where we want to start tonight, verses 15 through 21, the next thing you see is he tells us, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We as believers, number one, are to display love first and foremost. Number two, are to display the light and the glory of God upon our life. And number three, we are to display a wisdom that does not come from this world. Now, in all three of these points, we see the most important verbiage that he used is he said we are to walk in love we are to walk in the light we are to walk in wisdom right and what did we say to walk literally means this word here walk means that we are to what regulate one's life by it that means we are to regulate our life by love We're to regulate our life by the light of God's word. We are to regulate our life by his wisdom. That means every decision I'd make is not based upon knowledge from the world. I go to the word of God who is wisdom, who is all wisdom. First and foremost, first and foremost, that's where you go. So to walk means to regulate one's life, to conduct one's life, and to make one's progress. That means there ought to be progress in your walk, meaning you ought to be able to walk more in love today than you've ever walked before. You ought to be walking in the light. If you're a believer and you've been in the church for, you know, however many years, you ought to be walking in the light of his word more than you ever have before and regulating your life by it. You ought to be, come on, walking, progressing, conducting your life, regulating your life by this, right? And conducting your life. And it also means, and I love this, Be occupied with. To walk means you ought to be occupied by walking in love, walking in the light, and walking in his wisdom. That should be the number top three things that you should, as a believer, be so occupied with. Which is seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. He tells us we ought to be occupied with it. Amen. So... It's important that we recognize, listen, this is something that should be so much a part of our life. It's like breathing. It's like breathing. I breathe. I live and breathe. I have my being. I live and move and what? Have my being. It is who I am. It is the sole uh, regulator of my life. His love, his light, his wisdom, his word, it regulates me. It's so full within me. Just like the scripture said, his word should richly dwell within you. Richly dwell within you. You shouldn't be hoping and wishing that his word would work. You shouldn't be hoping that you got that scripture right. Come on. It should be so rich within you and your life is being regulated by it every day that you're occupied with making sure that I'm honoring God and living in a righteous way in every decision that I'm making. Everywhere I'm at. Around everybody that is around me. Am I 
upholding and displaying the proper image to him. And I'm only going to do that if I'm actually walking the way that he tells us to walk. Now, when I said display wisdom, that was the third point in verse 15. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What is walking circumspectly now mean? It means you better be careful how you're walking. You better be prudent in how you're work, walking. You better be purposeful about how you're walking. There needs to be a purpose Come on, behind the way that you are walking and you better know that you're walking carefully. Have you heard the term, you need to walk carefully before the Lord? You need to walk circumspectly before the Lord. Why? Because if you're not, you're being a fool. And I'm going to tell you, in the hour that we're living... We, can, we need to put away foolish things. We, can no, we, have, we do not have time to be walking foolishly. And he lets us know, listen, we need to have wisdom. We need to discern. We need to recognize that we need to redeem some time. That means we need to quit playing a game. We need to get our hearts right. We need to quit being believers living one way on Sunday and then going the rest of the week living how we're living like the rest of the world to where you can just lie to people straight up. There is no conviction there. Come on. Come on. I mean, don't be a fool. Don't be foolish. We need to be wise and recognize the hour that we're living in. Amen. So it says, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise. What does he say? But understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. All right, we're going to break those down. So... We said what it meant to live circumspectly, but what does it mean to live wise? To live wise and not as a fool. It means to be skilled. To be skilled. We need to be skilled in the Word of God. We need to be skilled. Come on. With how we are to operate in this evil day that we're living as the day is drawing more and more near. And I'm going to tell you prophetically, and I said this Sunday, the things that are going on in Israel is a sign. Yes. Period. Yes. And we can't be foolish. This thing is wrapping up. And I will still believe that he will return. Yes. You know, there's people that don't believe he's coming back. I'm going to choose to believe what the Word says. That He's coming back and He will return. And the day is drawing nearer and nearer and it's more evident and more evident. Amen. And because you have wisdom, you can, you can recognize, man, there's some things I need to get serious about. I need to get serious about my life and walk with the Lord. Because at any time, the trumpet can blow. Come on, and you don't want to be one left behind because there will be many believers left behind. That is, it is inaccurate that thinking all believers are going to be called up. They're not. All believers will not be called up. So, 
He goes on to say, be skilled, learned, cultivated, even as teachers. We ought to be in a place that we are growing in God that you ought to be able to teach your friend how to live for the Lord. Every believer has a responsibility to be able to teach others how to walk, come on, in the kingdom of God, how to live in the kingdom of God, how to live righteously in the kingdom of God. Every one of us, it's not just our responsibility. Our responsibility is to equip the saints for you to go. And teach others as well how you were able to live and overcome. But if you're not living and overcome, you're walking like a fool. Right? You're being foolish. It says uh, also it means this, a person that's wise will know how to form the best plans and use it by the best means for the execution of what they need for whatever purpose. Again, when we are getting wisdom from God, we should be able to have plans of execution for whatever it is that he is asking and calling us to do and putting in our life to be able to walk out. You can be in your job. You could be in your business and you should be tapping into the wisdom on how to do this, how to do that. And he can give you a plan of execution. That's called the wisdom of God. Amen. When you don't know how you ought to do it, you go to the one who does. He is all wisdom. And we get to tap into that wisdom. Also, this wisdom and walking, right, in this wisdom means that we ought to be governing our life by this wisdom as well. And disciplining ourselves with this wisdom. Amen. That's what that means when you look it up. All right, so in other words, it enables us to exercise more control over the direction of our lives when we're allowing wisdom to govern us and to lead us and to guide us. did Proverbs talk about wisdom? Right? Hallelujah. So what did he say a person with wisdom would do? Let's look at nine things he said right out of this scripture that he said, a person with wisdom will redeem the time. He will redeem the time. That means if you think uh, that you know you should be doing something and you're not doing it, and as long as there's breath for you to breathe, guess what? You can redeem the time. You can start walking in it right now. You can start walking it out right now and start redeeming the time. Come on. That the enemy has been able to keep you from doing the things that you know that you should be doing. So a person of wisdom will redeem the time. It means this, to make one wise and sacred use of every opportunity for doing good so that zeal is what you, you are in a place of zeal and well-doing. That's what that means to redeem the time. That you're going to be zealous, right, about doing well and making every opportunity that you have left on the earth, come on, to do good. That's called redeeming the time. It's called redeeming the time. As long as you still have breath in the earth right now, you can make a decision. I'm going to redeem the time because I know I've squandered some things that I know I should have done. Maybe you know that the Lord spoke to you about going to Kingdom Institute and you still hadn't done it. You better start redeeming some time. Right? Maybe the Lord has told you that, uh, you know, you should have started a business and you had roadblocks. But he's going to give you wisdom, come on, on how to do it if that's what your assignment was. Come on. There's all kinds of things. Maybe you feel like you've, you've lost time 
in your marriage because you were in the wrong assignment. Guess what? You can make a decision today. I'm going to get myself in the right assignment, and that's going to start redeeming some time. The rest of the time that I have on the earth. Colossians 4, 5 says this. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. You walking in wisdom, redeeming the time. Amen. Number two. He said this, that we are to, a person of wisdom, will understand the will of God. You need to quit saying, well, I don't know what God wants. He tells you, you can understand it. You can understand what he wants. You can understand what his will is. You can have knowledge, all the knowledge in the world, it's up to you. You can know. Quit saying you don't know or you don't understand the will of God. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you will approve. Prove, but you know what else that word means? To know. Know the will of God. How are you going to know the will of God? By getting in knowledge, by getting in the word, by seeking him so that you can begin to understand the will of God. By the renewing of your mind, it means to prove, to know, to examine, to discern what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. We can get in the word, renew our mind so that we can begin to know what the will of God is. We can begin to discern what the good, uh, what the uh, will of God is so that we can begin to walk in it and approve. This is, this is the will of God for you to be able to examine and say, this is the will of God and this is not. Right? This is the will of God, and this is not. You can know it by getting in the word of God and renewing your mind to it. Amen. Number three, he tells us this. Don't get drunk. Say it again. Don't drink. I'm going to say it a third time. Don't drink. Don't get drunk. We don't drink in this church. Amen. Amen. And I'm proud of it. I was just talking to an individual today that has recently been coming to our church. Recently, her whole family got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and decided to go back home for a visit and she said I didn't realize I did not realize how see when you start living the life of God and the light of God and in the word of God and the revelation of God and you go back she said my whole family are nothing but alcoholics they're drunks sleep till noon and get up and say where's the next drink stay up all night. That's all they did the whole time. And I was trying to visit my brother and his new baby. And I was so thankful, so thankful. She said, because we, we tried other churches, but they, you know, they don't care if you drink. So thankful that I found this church and the word of God that's been coming forth. Because it was so different when I went back home and realized my whole family, my whole entire family, I grew up in this. They're all alcoholics. They're all dysfunctional. They're all, you know, and just went on and on. And I'm thinking to myself, and Christians are okay with this. When it does nothing but destroy people's lives. 
brings nothing but death to people's lives. And she was so thankful that she found the one church whose staff doesn't drink. So he lets us know in Ephesians, you're a fool if you do. You're not being wise. You're not being wise. So he says in Proverbs 20 and verse 1, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. I mean, I don't know how more clearer you can get with the Word of God. How more clear can you get with the Word of God? Amen. I thank, I'm thankful I live upon the Word of God. Amen. And we're known as that church. Yeah, it's that church that's going to stand for holiness. It's going to stand for righteousness. Because I've seen nothing ever good come out of alcohol. Ever. In my 53 years of living on the earth. Amen. Nothing ever good. Amen. So, it destroys people's lives. And it destroys children's lives. So, proper image is what we're trying to display. Proper image, right? So, the next one was what? He told us to redeem the time. A wise person's going to redeem the time, understand the will of the God. Number three is not going to be a drinker, is not going to get drunk. And number four is going to be filled with the Spirit. Yes, we're that church too that believes in being filled with the Spirit. Acts 2 and 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Number five, we will sing songs from the Spirit. We'll sing songs from the Spirit. A wise person will do this. That's what he says. A person with wisdom. And Colossians 3.16, it says this, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. And we ought to be so full of God's word and God's life and God's light and God's love and God's wisdom that it ought to just flow without, with, within and out of our lives every day. Amen. Thankfulness. Singing. Songs of thankfulness. Amen. And the next thing we see is that the, we will be people, a wise person will give Thanks. We'll give thanks. A person that is not thankful for what Christ has done for them is ungrateful. Is ungrateful. And we don't ever want to be a part of a person that is ungrateful for the life that we have in Christ and the light that we see now and the fact that the veil of darkness was removed from our eyes so that we could see the light of the glorious gospel. We need to be thankful, a thankful and grateful heart. Amen. This is a person that will be wise Psalms 86, 12, I will give thanks to you, oh my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Amen. The next thing we see as a wise person, if we're going to display the proper image of wisdom to the world, is that we need to submit to one another. This is not talked about in the church. Not talked about just among, you know, people. 
You know, he talks a lot about employers submitting to their employees in the scripture. Because nobody wants to submit today to anything. And the problem is, is that even this new generation coming up doesn't want to submit to ours. This is where we've gotten. Because of non-submission and rebellion and lawlessness. They don't want to submit to the time clock. They want to work from, they want to do their own thing and do their own hours. I'm telling you it's a problem. It's a real problem. Because they, they don't want to submit to anybody else. Anybody else. Anybody else. And these are the people in their 20s. This is that new generation. You know, did you hear they're trying to change the work week? And you know why? Because they can't get this new generation to work any other hours. They don't believe in a 40-hour work week. And that's easy. That's easy. Come on. I'm telling you, it's a real problem. But he says, listen, a wise person will know how to submit to one another. First and foremost, I know they're not submitted to God, if, if, especially if they're born-again believers. And they can't submit to a church, or they can't submit to the pastor, or they can't submit to a brother and sister in Christ by, by just saying, hey, what are you doing? You're not reflecting the proper image. I don't think we should be... Well, you can't tell me what to do. I mean, who do you think you are telling me what to do? Well, I'm actually not telling you what to do. I'm admonishing you that that's not really the proper reflection of what the Word of God says for a believer's life. And I love you enough to say, hey, why don't you try this? But they don't want to submit. We've turned the word submission into a horrible word. And actually, it means just to yield. Because a person that don't yield to correction or admonishment or the word, they won't yield to the word. But a person who won't do that, it's called pride. It's called pride that you're not willing to just yield. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, I mean. It's no big deal. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, if you think I should. Okay, why? Because you're just trying to help them, guide them, whatever the case may be. You're, help, you're trying to help pull things without them that is actually godliness as a brother and sister in Christ. You're, you're trying to help pull godliness out of them and trying to help adjust so that they're not going to go down a wrong road. But if you don't ever, if you're not a person that, who do you think you are telling me what to do? What kind of attitude is that? That's not what the scripture says that we would submit to one another. Okay, if you don't think, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't know any better. And if you never would have said anything... Right? Because we're all here to help cultivate each other and support each other. Right? So that word literally submit, this word is from a Greek military term. Listen, I don't have one single bit of problem submitting because I knew what it was like rebelling. So, comes from a military term, meaning to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was a voluntarily, a voluntary attitude. So, it all goes back just to the attitude of your heart. Because if you just are a hard and difficult person and no one can ever give you correction. You know, there's people that are self-employed because they don't want people telling them what to do. 
that might be a problem. Now, I believe in people should be self-employed. But you also ought to have somebody that you're gleaming from that can help guide you in, the, in whatever it is that you're doing. Right? That you're yielded to. That you, you, you're, you trust, you know? That's going to lead you in the right direction. That you're like going to be saying, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, I'll do it. If you're seeing that, then thank you for letting me know. I'll pray about it. But don't use that as a cop-out. I pray about it, but never do it. But that would be to your own demise. And that would be making you a fool, is what the Scripture said, and not a wise person that you can never take any correction, any admonishment, any adjustments because you are full of pride. Because you don't want anybody telling you anything. you got to ask yourself, are you a person... You know, we're dealing with this in secular schools. Teachers can't even say a word to students anymore. What is that breeding? A non-submissive world of, of being able to teach children how to yield to a teacher that is trying to correct them. That's a problem. That's a problem. I'm telling you. So he even lets us know that we're to submit to one another. We're just to yield with a voluntary attitude. We're to give in, cooperate. Are you a person that is difficult to even deal with? Because you're, you never cooperate with anything. You, don't, you always want to go against the flow. You won't cooperate. That means you're not submitted. You're not yielded. Are you easily a person? Yeah, okay, I'll cooperate. Yeah, whatever you think we should do. Or do you always have to have the last word? And, and you only going to do it your way. And your goal is to get everybody to agree with your way. And then you'll yield. Because you got everybody to cooperate with you. Come on. It's not a place of submissive attitude and heart, right? So, because he says this, that a yielded, submitted, voluntary attitude is a person that will cooperate and assume responsibility. That's right. There it is. Responsibility, which nobody wants to take today. Responsibility. All right? So, it's to yield to one's admonishment or advice. That's what just submission is. People will see things and try to admonish you or give you advice. Have you ever? I mean, I, yeah, I deal with this. You give people advice. You try to admonish them about a situation that, hey, this could really change if you would just do this. And this is what the word says that you should do, but they don't take your advice, and guess where they're at? They're in trouble. But they want you there to pick them up out of that trouble. They want you there to console them in that trouble. They want you there, and I'm thinking, well, why didn't you just listen to the ad? Advice. And the admonishment. And actually some correction even at points, but they want to do it their way. And that is not a submitted person. It's not a submitted person. Okay. First Peter five, five, I'm going to give you another scripture about this because there's multiple ones about submission, but I'm only giving you two. Likewise, you younger submit yourselves to the elders, right? People that's been there that has a godly reputation. Submit yourself to them. Because what? They're going to help give you advice that is only going to be godly and pull out godliness within your life. Right? So, <clears throat> and then he goes on to say, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Here's the second witness that he says, one to another. 
I don't have to submit to anybody. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Well, that's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. It's unscriptural. Say amen. amen. Say it loud. Amen. <laughs> it's unscriptural. Because there's three and four and five and six more that I didn't even put on here. Subject yourself to one to another and be clothed with humility, which goes back to the heart. Right? That, hum- that humble heart. For God resisteth the proud. Again, if you are a person that will yield and submit, he's letting you know God will resist you because you're being prideful. You're being proud. You're not willing to submit or humble yourself and take any advice or anything from anybody. And God's going to resist you. Oh, God loves you. He's not mad at you. And he's always fighting for you. And and you can do whatever you want to do because you're under grace. No, he says he will resist the proud. He's not going to be for you. If you can't be a person that can yield to advice or submit it to anybody, he's going to resist you. And you want to know what pro- what why you have so many problems. You nobody you can't cooperate with anybody. You can't work with anybody. Nobody can work with you. Come on. These are signs of non-submission and pride. And God's going to resist it. God's going to resist it. And I don't want God resisting anything about my life. Amen. Even as a believer, you God can resist you. We got to get this thinking out of our mind that he's for everybody and da 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 da. He's for those that are submitted to his word and are submitted with a whole heart and yielded. Come on. And he'll give grace to those that are. But there's not going to be grace for you. Oh, I thought everybody's under grace. Well, there won't be grace for the proud that resist being submitted individual in their life. It's what Scripture says, right? It's what Scripture says. So the last point is, is that these people, a wise person that will display the wisdom of God, will fear the Lord, will fear God. will fear God. Hallelujah. And we know that word means to reverence, to guard with to regard with great respect, right? To treat with uh difference deference, dif- I guess is what the word is. D E F E R E N C E. Deference, thank you. Hallelujah. And submission and reverential obedience. This is a person that will fear the Lord, that will fear God. Amen. And our last scripture, and then we'll close. Y'all have been great listeners. 1 Peter 2.17. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Amen. Hallelujah. So a person that was made to display the proper image will be one that will walk in love, walk in the light, and walk in wisdom. And he let us know what wisdom looks like. Amen. He gave us nine ways that wisdom looks. Amen. And we want to be these people that bring that reflection to the world when we come in contact with them. And not only that, we want to be people that love the brethren because we know, I read that scripture on Sunday, that how is the world going to know we're truly his disciples because of the love that we have for the brethren. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.